You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Good morning, good afternoon, Sid Talk. Is it morning? Is it afternoon? Evening. I think you missed the one thing. <laughs> it's somewhere, it's morning and even afternoon, yes. Good it's, evening. It's the evening. What do you have to say to the listeners? Would you want to tell so them about... It was like the whole podcast is going to be, you've asked me this question and then we're done? Before the after the show discussion, you want to tell them about your adventures? My adventure? Oh, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, you know, it was colonoscopy and the endoscopy. People hear those words, they're like, oh, well, getting ready, drinking that gallon of gavelite uh, was really the biggest challenge. Do that, shit your guts out, show up at the hospital, chit-chatting with them. They put you on a table, you know, they're talking to you. And then uh, for me, I just woke up and I was back where I started and it was done. It was for, like it for never people even happened. who don't know what the word is, putting a camera yeah, in colon. your asshole. Well, they put a thing, they check your colon to see if you have any, I'm 51 years old. So, you know, you want to start checking, um... It's one of those kinds of cancers and whatnot that you can't tell that you have for a long time. So I figure I'll go with the well woman visit suggestions and have it done. The endoscopy was because I have like weird heartburn and stuff. So they just checked that end as well. But I'm good. I have the acid reflux, as they like to call it. You have a so. tip top asshole. <laughs> it's not It's not about your butthole. Why do you keep focusing on that? It's about your it's colon. Funny. It's not actually funny because I think that makes people think it's kind of a joke procedure when in fact it can save your life so you keep joking about assholes and think about all the people who have died from colon cancer because they were either too stubborn or just thought oh i don't want anybody poking around my asshole i think if you don't make a joke about it people won't um i think if you do make a joke of it then people won't take it seriously and you can die because you don't do it can you die for doing it you're gonna die no matter what i mean <laughs> eventually <laughs> I'm just saying, why why not just check it out? It's like a it's like a mammogram. Like people are like, oh, I don't want a stranger touching my boobs. Right. So you'd rather die from breast cancer as a possibility, not a direct causation there, but a possibility of finding it, checking it, figuring it out, doing something about it, and living longer than you would have if you weren't all weird and make jokes and be all fussy about it. It's, just, put, it's just a bodily function. If you pull. put one down the throat and one in the asshole, could they see each other? No. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't find it particularly funny, you except just, that I want people that, to lighten up about it. You said that you put them both in one, one in They didn't go at the same time. Oh. Oh. I don't know why you think... So you're one of those people who thinks it's just a joke. Because then maybe you won't ever have one, and then we'll have a problem. I'm not one of those people who thinks it's a joke. But you, you can, can joke about something like definitely this. Definitely can joke I about joke the process about cancer, of it. To be but honest. not to make it be, like, so funny that people don't take it seriously. And it isn't just somebody sticking something up your ass. They're just exploring your colon. There's not another way to do it. We don't have tricorders yet, like our lovely Star Trek doctors did. Did, or do in the future. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You think they would have invented something where they just scan you? 
Well, you can get a scan, um, like an MRI or whatever, but they may not find the softest tissue, and that is the stuff that the camera can see, but that x-rays and whatnot don't see yet until it's actually metastasized. Here's my question, and it's not a joke. I'm not trying to be funny. Are you going to use the word asshole again? My question is, can you look at the pictures it took? They will show it to you if you have a problem. Can you log on to the internet and see it all? I got an email saying that I had some new reports on my portal from a medical thing, but I haven't looked at it. Because it would make great art. You could. I'm sure somebody's done that. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone's tuned in for medical lessons, <laughs> it's just a fact of life. Come on. If everybody's going to be all somber and sad, rightfully so, when someone gets sick and finds out they have cancer, and then it's like, oh, you know, we have limited options now, and everyone's really fucking bummed out. And if you look back five years earlier when they had an option, a possibility of maybe finding it, I don't think that's funny, and I do think it's important. So there's my lecture. All right, so it is Saturday, January the 19th. This is after the show number 566. Yeah, it's about movies, not about uh, We are a weekly movie review (laughs) show, and this week we're going to review a movie. And that movie will be First Man. It's a 2018 movie. Releases on Blu-ray and 4K on January the 22nd, so that's this week. It's rated PG-13, and it's from our friends at Universal, who sent us a copy for review, and Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of First Man. Really? Of all the funny reasons, all the movies to ask me to give you a synopsis of. (laughs) Let me just see if I can sum it up. Um, It's the first man who stepped on the moon. And that is? <laughs> That's Neil Armstrong. I mean, it's just kind of a, a Hollywood version of a biopic of this person from the time he was testing until he stepped on the moon. It is. That's so, pretty much it. I don't think you need a synopsis for this one. So this is, coming, this is from director Damien Chazelle, who I'm a fan of. He did Whiplash and La La Land, which uh, La La Land almost won the Oscar. <laughs> but then didn't. <laughs> so, so close. So close. Yeah, so First Man is in the running also well they they haven't had the announcement yet but it's been up for awards already so um this guy is on a roll so i will say start off remember last week we watched the movie mid 90s by director jonah hill mm-hmm. and i loved it you did and i was like wow i've loved a movie that's great to have a movie that you love for the first movie of 28 2019 correct is that a well, question <laughs> the second movie review of 2019 First Man. I loved it. I loved, one loved of, it. One of the most recent years, we started out with a bunch of bummer movies, like not good movies. I forget which year it was. Yeah, um, I do remember something of the of that kind, because there's often some shitty movies in January. They kind of release some crappy movies before they get on with the good stuff. I don't know about that. We but. saw some kind of horror film on a January, I remember, and it was really terrible. But First Man, I loved it. <laughs> Loved it. I will give it a 10 out of 10 if I had to give it a number. Nice. Um, Damien Chazelle is becoming one of my favorite directors. This multiplied my love for it, him. I multiplied my love for my boyfriend, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> you do have a man crush. I'll I, give you I that. I totally do. Um, if I had an actor that I really, I just like everything about his style. And some might say he's just the same guy in everything. But I disagree. I mean, he has that broody, sort of like pensive, emotional, 
boy thing, and he does it again this time. So yes, you can still say Apart from him not so. being a boy, he's actually a man. Oh yeah, man, boy, whatever. First man. He's the first man. <laughs> he's the first boy. <laughs> I like what she said to him. What she, the wife said to the men. You're just a bunch of boys building models out of boys, balsam wood. Balsa whatever wood. she said. Balsa wood. Yeah. And she's right. I mean, they accomplished a lot. You know what balsa wood is, right? No. It's the wood that you make those toy airplanes out of because the, ah, okay. the wood's very light. Makes sense now. Yeah. So, First Man is the story of Neil Armstrong. You might have heard of him. He was the first man to put his feet on the moon back in 1969. And this is... And what day was that in 1969? I think it was the 17th of July. Or was it the 16th of July? And how old were you? I was about five days old. <laughs> and I was watching from my couch, probably. <laughs> and I was a year and a half old. Yes. So, um, I've always been fascinated with space since I was a child. I actually had a Neil Armstrong um, fancy dress astronaut suit. That would that be Halloween costume to the rest of us. Yeah. Um, that I used to just wear all the time. If you, my grandma was still alive and you would ask her, she would say he would <laughs> never take it off. And I used to leave the helmet on and it was kind of, it wasn't one of those like plastic helmets. It was kind of made out of cloth with a plastic front. Well, like a beekeeper's helmet. <laughs> but I can remember always wearing it and it said Neil Armstrong on the front. And Aww. I was just, I just loved space stuff. Hence why I love Star Wars, I guess. True. So, um, I always want, you know, as a kid, I was like, I want to be a spaceman. I want to be a spaceman, like a lot of little kids do. So I've always had a fascination with space. And this, um, you could say it's a biopic. Is it or isn't it? I mean, it's a drama. It's based on the true, but then there's some embellishments, I guess. Yeah. You know, don't take it for like 100% accuracy. It's not a biography as in like a documentary. Yeah. And it doesn't go too far off script or anything. There are some things in here, if you go and look up the facts about Neil Armstrong, that might be off a little bit. But it, but the endorsement of his actual children and his wife said that it was the most realistic depiction of him. So you could go with that too. So this movie depicts him, would you agree, as kind of detached a little bit from everything yes. else that's not space stuff? Yeah. And... Not, you know, I I just read, I like to always go and read what other people think of movies after I've watched a movie. And I usually know it's just going to be a lot of idiots who don't understand things. You got that right. And um, the main thing I got from what people who didn't like this movie said was he isn't very personable, Neil Armstrong, in this movie. He's just a dull kind of, <laughs> just a one note thing, which... If his children agree that that's what he was like, why would you not portray him that way? I mean, you don't want to portray him as like Mr. Jazz Hands and he's always excited all the time if exactly. that's not what he was. so It's like buying rewrite history, which is really annoying. Yeah. So you get a realistic portrayal of a man who is, you know, like you said, this isn't like about Neil Armstrong and like everything's perfect. It shows flaws and it shows family life might not be as great as you, as your rose-tinted glasses imagine. And while it does have a lot of action and it shows a lot of different space 
scenes, which are all fantastic. It deals a lot in Neil Armstrong's personal life, his wife, um, the fact that he had a baby, a, a child who died, which I had no idea about. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a brain tumor and died. And she looked, what well, old was she? Like, looked like she was about three. Yeah, which is very sad. And it kind of starts, the movie starts off that way, really, with mm-hmm. that. And, um, you know, he's with his wife and his children. And in between all that, it's a, it shows you him going through the training process and through test flights before the actual Apollo 11 mission. And they are all in great detail, I found, and all very thrilling to watch and listen to because the actual space, you know, the, I would say the opening sequence of this movie, which is him doing that test flight in the jet that goes up into the atmosphere and then comes back down. It is thrilling to look at. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing opening to the movie. um, And it, even though you know history and you know that he doesn't die on any of these missions. That's what I keep having to say to myself. No, it's this, the whole thing is going to turn out to be a success. Didn't you feel danger along the way? Oh, absolutely. So, and it kind of put it into my mind of how dangerous space travel, travel actually is. You, you think of it all romanticized. Oh, they get in a spaceship and they go to space and they walk on the moon. But when you actually see the nuts and bolts of it, which you kind of do in this movie. And Literally. How, yeah, how s- this small space they crammed into, how I, th- I think one thing it did succeed on, and it's the sound design of this movie, is every little like creak of metal and... It sounds like it's going to fall apart when they launch. When you're sat in that little capsule with them and it's launching, the noises that it's making sound like it's just all going to fall apart and they're just going to get jettisoned out of it. Definitely. And if that's what it sounded like in real life, I would imagine that would be terrifying because, you know, you could be dead any second, right? Or you just don't think about it that way. So I think it was like really next level space sequences. They were so well done. They were flawless. Like it was, it looked like they were for real. Like when you see this NASA footage from space, that's what all this looked like. What did you think of the space stuff? Oh, it was, I was I was in it. I was mesmerized. I too have a thing about space and space travel and the universe and you know, not questions like where does it all end and what's all out there, but it's just insanely amazing that we exist in it you know i love it and so i don't know what it's like to be out in space but i didn't feel like just i was sitting in my chair and watching some green screen thing happen i was like oh i can i can imagine i've driven okay that's how i associate i can like i've ridden in trucks big old trucks like from the 60s that were rattly and like feel like they're gonna shake your bones like no um springs in the seats or anything and you have to like hold there's no seat belts and you know, like have to hold on to the dashboard because it's so bumpy and so like rattly and i went flashback to that and thought of that as that technology obviously more advanced but it was the 50s and 60s when they were building these things and so i really felt it i thought that was that cut into me like the sounds like you said the of the little metal on metal and the where you feel like you could, if you looked around, you could see nuts and bolts just popping out of their holes. Yeah, because it, because inside the sh- the capsule itself, it it's not very fancy, is it? That you can oh, see God, the nuts no. and bolts and the bits of, you know. Interestingly enough, and you actually mentioned it, 
we have a virtual reality uh, experience. It's not a game. It's called like Apollo 11 VR, I believe. And you actually, are one of them, very little. You've not done much VR, but no. you did that one. I loved it. And you sit in that for an hour and you... I mean, NASA did it, so it's that experience. Yeah, and you you basically experience what it's like being in that capsule. And I have also done that. And I'm telling you, you know when Damien Chazelle in The Extras said, when I was filming the in-capsule scenes on this movie, I wanted it to be kind of like VR, like you're in there with them and you understand like the scope and the size. He totally nailed that because it brought me back to that VR experience where you sat looking out of that little window. Definitely. And it's got the little markings on it so you can see the trajectory. And there's the tiny little dials all in front of you. So I really think he nailed being even, you know, the Tom Hanks movie, Apollo 13. I don't think, I think this captured a more realistic view. That one was a bit more glossy. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That one was a bit more Hollywoody. This one's a bit more, no, you're just in this thing with the, with the dudes. Now, um, spoiler, they land on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, Neil Armstrong is, in fact, <laughs> the first man on and the moon. He actually steps on the moon. Well, um, that is unless you're a um, moon landing denier. Yeah, true. In which case, you're rolling your eyes and thinking we're all full of shit. And if they can make it look real in this movie, then obviously that's fake, too. Yeah. That's fine. You can think whatever you want. I wasn't there, so I don't actually know if it is true. I have to say, I'll be look, honest. You know, it's pretty awe inspiring when it, the actual scene where he steps off. And then you see the moon and you see the, the curvature and the, the reflection of it in his visor and everything. It all looked amazing. It was, mm-hmm. uh, they use IMAX. Um, they change the aspect ratio to the full screen during that sequence where they land on the moon. Only in that sequence, actually. And it even adds to it. It makes it look, ooh, like this just it looks... They use some... Um, in the extras that we saw, the reason it looks so good is they... Can you explain it? Like it's a a rig, would you say? Well, I would say it's like a theme park ride. Kind of, yeah. Like the whole, there's a big giant curved screen. Giant as in like 30 feet high and 70 feet long that's slightly curved around the set. It's like the whole wall. It's like, it would have been a green. We've all seen the green big walls that they've built for green screen movies. This is just a big actual screen monitor, like a movie screen. LED and they're showing... The footage on the screen while they're filming the other scene, which is not new technology as in the earliest of movies did this. They projected images onto the wall or onto a screen behind the actors or the action and then filmed the action with like the, you know, the train going down the tracks or whatever, like live. They didn't have green screen, so they would do the film in front of a film. So that's not new. But the fact that it looked so, like, I I had no clue. No clue at all. And so they said while they're doing it, because they're in that little capsule thing, kind of a fake capsule, and they look out the window, that's what they're really seeing. They don't even have to pretend, which I guess would lower their acting status a bit. (laughs) They can look out the window and it's like they're really looking, they are looking at the earth in the horizon because the whole screen that wraps around them is showing that. So I think that was pretty... Pretty cool. I'd like to see that in other movies. And what's interesting as well is the because they're in this fake capsule in front of the screen and what they see out the window is the real, what they're going to be seeing in the film, they even used the lighting off the film as the lighting for inside the capsule. So if the moon yeah. is lighting the window up, then that's what they're going to... So it's all like a... 
It's like they're on a little theme park ride because the capsule isn't static. It actually is synced to the visuals. So if the if the capsule is, you know, rotating, then it actually is rotating with the minute. And the the footage is staying where it should be. So I've never seen anything like that. He said it was the first time it's been done, right, mm-hmm. probably. And um, it really made it seem real to me. Like, I couldn't... There were times where I was watching the space parts going, how the hell did they make it? So I still don't understand how they do zero G and make it look convincing. In this movie, the you know where where he throws the tape at him? He says there's yeah. any music in here and he throws a cassette tape over. How do they do that? Is that just a CG tape? <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've always wondered how they do that, but it, it all looks incredible. Um, so uh, what did you think about the drama between um, Neil and his wife? Because that's a lot of the movie too. That is the, that's a movie of two things, really. And the fact of a person driven, you know, he was obviously motivated and had whatever the word is, like he wanted to be in these missions. We didn't see a lot of the politics involved. We saw that in the beginning they thought he needed to be slowed down because he made some mistake in judgment on the first flight that we see or whatever. So then, but then, you know, then they tell him, just write the report. And he's kind of like, you grounded me. And then you feel this urge, this surge in him to learn more, do more and be the guy who they then pick eventually for the moon mission. Like it's not addressed at all. It's just in you just feel like he's really, really wants to keep moving forward in the space mission. And you see in his eyes when they, when you first see him get out of the atmosphere and that F-15, so it's called. Yeah. And he's just, the way it's portrayed, he's just amazed at the whole of it. Like looking at the earth, looking at the sky, thinking of the possibilities. It's all wrapped up in just his eye movement. I mean, I'm just making that up probably, but. No, you can tell. But then later when they ask him about it, he's like, I don't really see it as anything other than an opportunity for us to see the world or see life from a different perspective. And so I feel like, that aspect of his personality leads him to the moon, but it could have been anything. He could have been a guy who wanted to be a race car driver. He could have been a, wanted to be a, the best brain surgeon in the world. He could have been the guy who wanted to circumnavigate the world a thousand years ago. You know what I mean? That personality trait is what I kind of latched onto. And the cost of that personality trait, which still exists in humans, is that your interpersonal relationships, you know, there, there's where it is. Like, what am I... I have, if I'm married and I have kids, I have to be there too. But the thing I want is so big and so difficult and requires so much of my time and energy. So I thought that was really the heart of the whole movie to me and how they balanced it out was the key, was the whole thing. So going back and forth from like when he's actually doing the test on what was it called? Gemini 8 or Gemini 8 that they called it. She's yeah. just, and she's first listening and trying to make sure everything's okay. And then she's basically just ends up just dealing with the kids. The kids are fighting and she's there. And so you're seeing his home life is just life. And yeah, is, regular. Should that be more important than you just floating around in space? Because it seems really pointless, you know, to some people. Yeah. Or is this thing, this drive that a human has to accomplish the thing that's in their scope and that's it. That's all that person wants to accomplish. 
that makes it important, but then your people are important too. And so I feel like it was really well balanced. And I like the wife. I don't know if she's a real true depiction of the woman, but she loved him in a way that wasn't romantic and all mushy-gushy. There's a little bit of sexiness, you could tell, from when they were younger. You know, they kind of flirt around with each other. But she loves him. She accepts it. But she will not let him use this big thing that he's doing as some bullshit excuse to not be there for his family. When when she tells him, you are going to speak to the <laughs> yeah, children. You will. You best figure out what you're going to say. Yeah, so you're going to... But she didn't expect him to be all flowery or anything. She let him say what he needed to say. She didn't... You know, I mean, even what he said, you're like, that's not enough. <laughs> you know, as a person, you're like, that's not enough. You should be like different. But she accepted the way he was. But that was non-negotiable. But he he's was pretty, going to talk to them. He's yeah. pretty unemotional, generally. Uh, that's I like the scene where he c- came back from the... Um, you remember where he came back to his backyard just to be in the backyard on his own? Yeah. And his friend yeah. came. You think I would have come here if I wanted to talk to anybody? Yeah, he said, you think I would have left and come home and stood here on my own if I wanted to talk to anybody? And I couldn't understand. And the guy was like, you know, I'm here for you, dude. Uh, Yeah, but I get it. Also, a person who (laughs) accepted it, you know. So you, there was a lot of scenes like that where you were like, yeah, he's, you know, he is emotional inside. It just doesn't show so much. I but mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't, like, we designed how we think we're supposed to express ourselves, haven't we, through poetry and music and movies and stories and tales of romance, when in fact, we haven't really cornered the market on figuring out how we humans are supposed to, you know, you can't dictate what love is or how it is for us to express it. We just think we have, because it looks better to have a sexy, dynamic, romantic, flirty guy who's like winking at his wife all the time and and does everything right, you know, lovey-dovey, great with the kids. But that's not real. I mean, it can be, but it's not 100% real. And so that's why I loved about the way they showed them both. I also love the, you know, the we saw it a couple of times, the scene where before his little girl dies and he's just, she's just asleep and he's... Touching her hair. I mean, there's an emotional yeah, very, father. Like he's actually um, being emotional. It's all emotional. inside. Yeah, because what she, he that. knows she's going to die. Because, you know, they've already had the um I like that they showed him um, wanting to actually call the guy who invented the radio- radiation machine and to see what else could be done. Like he's like... Well, His he's, scientific brain. Yeah, it's like yeah. I could just talk to that guy because it's not working. So what, what could we make? And I wonder... I don't know, this was not addressed at all. But the idea that a person of science, which he is, an engineer, problem solver, that here's his little daughter with a, something wrong with her and he has like zero control, even though probably in his mind it's like, I could solve this problem. I, I don't have the right to, it's impossible that I can't solve this. And that would be a frustration for a person who can't express it. So he dumps all that energy into solving all the problems to get to the moon. Again, I'm making that up probably, but him trying to call the radiology engineer yeah. kind of told me like if he had if he had his way, he might have stopped going to the moon and, and decided to build a new radiology machine, right, if that was the possibility. But so I really like that as an added little thing in there. Yeah, and the people who I saw reviews saying, Oh, it's just mostly about Neil Armstrong's personal life. That's not true either. There's lots of space stuff in this movie. 
Oh, yeah. Lots. Yeah, I mean, it's chocker with... In fact, I was like, wow, we go... I just want to know what's wrong with people. Yeah, at first I was like, oh, you know, and we see, we see the opening sequence, and then we see, like, you know, him in, being trained on that weird thing that spins him around. Yeah. And then we see, like, an actual test mission. I was like, wow, we're going to see all these things? I, I was just expecting we'd see the actual flight to the moon. I didn't know we were going to see all that stuff. So you see a, quite a lot of different things. Um I felt like it was really well balanced between, and you know, if you focus on where you go, it's a guy going to the moon and NASA and the space race and two nations trying to get to the moon first and all that. That's that's part of the story, but it's really about humanity and what we are, how we live our lives. Like this could be a story about a guy who wanted to open the first convenience store on the corner in a neighborhood where that was seems impossible right i mean i'm not diminishing the fact of going to the moon i'm saying that person our desires to accomplish a thing it's all the same just on different scales and different impacts to different amounts of people that's what i think they just really could if you unplug the nasa part of this and plugged in something else it would have been just as moving i think i really um also another thing i have to mention is uh, uh damien chazelle obviously likes music old-timey music he likes a lot la la land is especially a <laughs> yeah kind of a thing to that but this the soundtrack to this movie which featured like songs from the era and like really awesome classical music during the landing on the moon, it made me feel like I wanted to cry. It was to do with the music. Oh, definitely. When the capsule was coming into land, the all that that whole sequence, which lasts about fifteen minutes, and it's just like a lot of it's just looking out of the, this little window and seeing the uh, the moon come up closer and closer. But there's like this swelling orchestral thing going on, and it's just awesome. Like there's a lot of really cool music in here, so I wanted to point that out. Also, the very final scene which I won't spoil. This is, you know, the very final shot we see. That felt really emotional to me too. Mm-hmm. Even, oh, though yeah. it was, even though it was kind of cold in a way and also you didn't know how they're going to react to each other. Exactly. I really liked it. I agree. I so, liked it. Um, I would give this movie an Oscar. <laughs> if I was in charge of the Oscars, this movie would get it. Hopefully it will. So let's go on to the cast. Ryan Gosling plays Neil Armstrong. You know what I'm going to say? I love Ryan Gosling. One of my favorite actors. Easily. I mean, look at him in La La Land, right? Singing and dancing and playing that guy. And look at him in this. It's different. People say he's the same. It's not. Not the same. (laughs) Definitively not the same. (laughs) Um, I think he played this really well. Yes, this is stoic the entire time. There, there is a moment where he, he laughs a little bit and smiles, but he's mostly focused and on the game. You know when they look at each other when the actual it take takes off and then they actually safely get into space and they both look at each other, Buzz and him. Yeah, those moments, like it was like, well, there's the joy in this guy's life. These exactly, moments. exactly. And you see it from that. So what do you think of Ryan Gosling? I don't know if you're as big a fan as I am. I'm not quite as big as you, but I totally appreciate. I do see a little sameness, even though it's with the different... Because think all the way back to, you know, Lars and the Real Girl. They're just this pensive, quiet, 
head down, eyes down, sometimes a lot of looking about the tops of his eyes, lots of focused moments, you know, of him contemplating and expressions, which he's really good at, because I got a lot from his expressions. Yeah, totally. And the singing and dancing was one thing, but that person, that character in that in La La Land was also kind of a, you know, thoughtful, brooding musician guy, <laughs> you know, so I like him. And the variety comes from the character he's being, not so much from him. So I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, I think he played it just right. I really do. I felt th- that character, a kind of focused, slightly cold mm. character came through. Uh, Claire Foy plays his wife, Janet Armstrong. Um, also very good, especially in the scenes where she had to kind of confront him, really. Like, because he's not going to deal with certain situations. And exactly. She makes him. Like, literally makes him. And he doesn't shout back at her or storm no, off in a hole. Slams a couple doors. Has yeah. that sort of quiet, you know, old school thing going on. But she, um, she's very powerful, I think. And that, that end scene I just talked about, looking at each other. Mm, yeah, definitely. There's a lot going on in that scene, even though there's no talking. And a lot of it comes from her. Um, Corey Stoll plays Buzz Aldrin. You'll know Buzz Aldrin. Not Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> and you'll know Corey Stoll as well. You'll have seen him in many things. Um, but you'll be like, no, what have I seen him in? What do you think of him? He was good. I, I was convinced that he was, you know, he's sort of the irreverent... Not irreverent, but... Um, I mean, nobody's like a, a silly... He was unemotion- kind of- He was unemotional as in he would say it like it was, you know? So my astronauts die in the process of this whole thing happening, and his thing was, well, he's dead, so I want to be the guy who goes to the moon, right? Everybody's thinking it. So it's like he's the... Outspoken. And at the press conference, he kind of wants to take over and be a little bit... He's not like Mr. Dynamo or anything, but just a little bit more of that, you know, what we would like to think of an astronaut, I guess, being, you know, dynamic and interesting. And then... Mouthy. What a lot of people don't ever caught on to is there there was a third guy up there on this Apollo 11. He was was the guy from Witness. He was called Mike (laughs) Collins. And, you know, everybody goes, oh, yeah, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. But you never hear Mike Collins. He was like the the Beatle that nobody knows the name <laughs> of. And uh, he's played by Lucas Haas, uh, who you, what do you know him from? He was the kid from Witness. Right. Let's see, I don't remember a kid in Witness. He was the Witness. I mean, I don't remember Witness, I guess. You I, love I know Kelly McGillis. It, I don't remember seeing it. You don't remember Han Solo. I do. Re- I know he was in it. I just okay. don't remember seeing it. He was in a sub. He was in a like a bathroom, and some bad guys did the thing, and then he was the witness. Right. And then Harrison Ford had to go, and you know. So how did you like know. him as a man? He was good, and not a witness. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a witness to the to the land. He was. He witnessed them both walk on the moon and didn't do it himself. <laughs> no, he was good. I don't. I, I mean, just to put this out there, I don't think anyone failed in this movie for performances. So yeah. I also put down um, Jason Clark, who I, I really like. He's also an actor that you'll just see a lot, but not, and he plays Ed White. And Kyle Chandler is another one who you see in a lot of things, but I don't think he gets his dues like, you know, he plays mm. Decky. Yeah. Um, there are a, a lot of 
actors you you know in this movie. Who, who you're like, oh yeah, it's that guy, but yeah. you might not know his name. So um, this is directed by Damien Chazelle. I said earlier, you know, like Paul Thomas Anderson is my favorite director. Damien Chazelle is actually... He's not going to ever probably ever top Paul Thomas Anderson. I was going to say, my God, is this a momentous But occasion? he's really, really, like, in my top five list. Like, <laughs> wow. he really is. Like, And Whiplash really impressed me when I saw it. And then La La Land, I just fell in love with that. And I don't like musicals, so I see that as a... If you can make me like a musical, there's something going on with your directing. And then I didn't know what to expect from this, because it's totally different to those two movies. And... This just blew me away completely. So that this guy, this guy, how old guy. is he? Like how old is Damien Chazelle? He seems like a kid to me when I watch him. You know what I just about did? What a word! How old is Damien Chazelle? <laughs> I'll, I'll use the manual um, IMDb. He was a word is our code word for Alexa. Is born in 1985. I'm surrounded Do by the math. echoes, so you never know when they're going to be listening. Do the how math. old was he? 1985. He was born. Do the math. Don't make me do math. You do the math. All right, I'll I'll I'll, I'll show you how I work this out. <laughs> so it'll be like 1985. Then I'll go 95. Then I'll go 2005. Then I'll go 2015. That would be 30. I graduated in 86. And, and then I would add the four year. to get it up to 19. So that would be 34. <laughs> I'm just showing my work. I go from the year I graduated high school, 1986. So 1985. There we go. I was always told to show your work at school. Like, yeah. don't just have the answer. Show how you got to it. Hey, kids, we just did old math for you. <laughs> it's very efficient. <laughs> I didn't use my hands or my toes, but that's how you old school math. Okay, you get so, to the answer. It don't matter how. So what I'm saying is, he's 34, which is young for a director. He's on, mm. he's made three films, and he, he's reminding me of Paul Thomas Anderson when he was young and he was just cranking out. You were like, wow, that's a great film. Oh my God, that's an even better film. Like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm blown away. He's fast becoming one of my favorite directors. What about you? No, I think it was really, it was, it's beautiful for one, like beautiful, beautifully shot. Um, and um, I think he got the best out of people, which, you know. I saw a, complaints about it being handheld. The whole movie's handheld, right? And it has its moments of that could be a little bit irritating, but I got over it. I I I figured out that there was a purpose for it sometimes, and I was okay with it. Yeah, it made it feel a bit rough sometimes, um, but it seemed right to me, like like a, a bit un- imperfect, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I get annoyed by uh, shaky cam, like Cloverfield, where it's actually ridiculously shaky and makes you feel ill. Yeah. This isn't that. It's just more like you can tell somebody is holding the camera and not they've not got it docked on some kind of steady cam thing. It's more held. Um, and during the space parts, it's not like that. But it the space parts are very, very shaky because they're going into space. <laughs> and it isn't a very still thing. They're being shaken Hello, around. Hello, idiots. Like. They're going into space. <laughs> no, Is but that I'm, what you're saying? I'm absolutely impressed by this director. Now I just want to see the next thing. If it, you know, it's a home run for me. Three, three in a row of awesome. So extras on this Blu-ray, and there are a bunch. The deleted scenes, and then there's a bunch of featurettes 
pretty much covering everything. And there's a feature commentary with Mr. Chazelle, which I'm absolutely going to listen to this week. Um, this is the first movie that Damien Chazelle didn't write. You know, this is a movie he took on. First movie of all time? Of wow. His, of his movies. Because <laughs> um, he wrote and directed his other two. But this one's, you know, taking on somebody else's work. Uh, also did a great job with it. So there are a bunch of extras on there. Um, if you're into this movie, I'm definitely going to listen to that commentary. So conclusion, like I said in the, earlier, it's literally a 10 out of 10 for me. I love it. I'll watch it again. Can I watch it again now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're a grown man. You can pretty much do what you want. And uh, yeah, that's my take on uh, First Man. And yours is? I absolutely agree. I think it's it's really, it's fun in a what you wouldn't consider conventionally fun kind of way. Just because it's beautiful to look at, for me, that's a big deal. And I learned some things, not necessarily, you know, about really how things work when you're becoming an astronaut, but like getting up and close with the equipment and that whole feeling of we're all under the impression it's all super high tech slick you know 2001 space odyssey kind of looking stuff it's not no it's all it's a bucket (laughs) and i bet even now people who are in the space world and the um iss you know floating above the earth would also say yeah it's not quite as high tech as you think it is yeah and uh, i also learned uh spoiler (laughs) that i had no idea that those three and they're three main characters in the movie, really. They were doing a test thing. They put them in... They just put them in the capsule yeah. and sealed it up to see if the oxygen and everything was working. And they, it set on fire and killed all three of them. I had no idea I that I didn't that either, and I feel like I should have known that. And I feel like I should have known it. And I, I was like, is that for dramatic effect? Surely not, they wouldn't do that. And no. I looked it up, and it's obviously what really happened. But it was literally like they were in an oven. The oven caught a light... And, yeah. they, and they all burnt it. They just, they didn't even pull them out of there for some time. Um, so I had no idea. So that scene, for me, I was like, oh, this is a cool test. And then I was like, oh, really? I don't remember this happening. Yeah, this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually very horrible. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there, there is some danger in this movie. And even if I thought I knew everything about it, but obviously I didn't. So thank you to Universal for providing us with a copy for review. Next week, we're going to be looking at the horror movie Suspiria, which is a remake of Dario Argento's 70s classic, which you never saw, right? Correct. It is a classic amongst horror people. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, and this is the remake, which we're going to see. People maybe don't know. I love horror. Yeah. Uh, You'll probably, after seeing this one, you'll probably want to see the original too. Because it is pretty unique. So, uh, movie recommendations. This isn't a movie, but whenever I see a space thing, and I, and I think about that spacesuit that I used to wear as a kid, I always think of the $6 million man, because the opening sequence, the credit title sequence, the first thing you see is him in his spacesuit doing his astronaut thing before he becomes the $6 million man. So I'm going to recommend the $6 million <laughs> man. They were, you know they were going to make a movie of it with Marky Mark as the $6 million man? But he dropped out recently. So there's still going to be a movie, but I don't well, know who he's going to be. too good to be the $6 million man? Is he the $6 billion he's, man? He's the $7 million, million <laughs> man. <laughs> um, 
So there is still going to be a $6 million man, just not with Marky Mark. And my other uh, space movie, which I really, really love, and this movie did give me some vibes of, especially with classical music playing in space, which seems to be a theme of space movies. <laughs> and it's 2001 A Space Odyssey, Stanley Kubrick's masterpiece, I would say, definitely. If you've not seen it, what have you... That would be your opinion. Have you even but... <laughs> seen any films? <laughs> Any space films? Like, you're not a space person if you haven't seen that one. No. And I will recommend... I'm not yawning because I'm bored. I'll recommend going to sleep early. <laughs> it's been a half couple days. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I started out... Forget that. I started out the week staying at work for 36 hours in a row. Because... You did. Weather. People couldn't come in, so I just stayed there. So you we recommend have- staying at work? <laughs> You know what? If it's needed and if it helps benefits your place of work, which for me, it's our data center. It's my little my. Oh little yeah, data this center. week um, we had major snow. Yeah, big snow. You had that thing where you had to do the thing. <laughs> it was eventful week. You didn't sleep very well. No. You probably need more sleep. I'd guess that. My recommendations are Cosmos, the TV show from 1980 with Carl Sagan. Oh yeah. Because if I had watched that when I was a kid, I mean, 80, I wasn't a kid. I was 10, well, 12. But if I'd seen it as little or even, um, oh, man, as much as I've always just been fascinated with space and the universe anyway, I loved it as an adult. I would have loved it as a kid. There's a newer version with Neil deGrasse Tyson, but I actually think the earlier one was better. And then that's exploring space, you know, the physical thing that what seems to be the hardest for mankind to explore and then i'm going to recommend inception because that goes deep inside your mind there's also another place where it's difficult i think for mankind to dig yeah uh, and on the other um, side of inception by christopher nolan there's also interstellar which deals with mind and space true i i don't understand why people thought interstellar was so great but it was pretty great it was fine I don't get the hoopla about it, but it was fine. If you like space. No, I like space. It doesn't mean I like that movie. All right. So uh, (laughs) Sitok does not like Interstellar. I didn't say I don't like it. I said I don't understand the hoopla about it. The hoopla was it was Christopher Nolan. It looked amazing. and looked pretty good. It did kind of fall apart at the end. I have to give it that. The the bookshelves and all that stuff. Yeah, and I love weird shit, so don't think <laughs> I don't like weird things that make you go, what the hell's that all about? I like, love all that kind like of stuff. Like a dimensional loop. Yeah, and that's fine. I dig it. I'm a Star Trek fan. I can handle any kind of weird things you want to think of with time, space, continuum, and all that shit. But when it was over, I was like, that's entertaining. It was kind of fun, kind of cool. Why is everybody freaking out? I do not understand. Wow. The same as with whatever, with Sandra Bullock also. I'm going to knock you off the movie list. (laughs) (laughs) Sandra Bullock, you mean Gravity? Yeah, it was fine too, but... I didn't like the ending of Gravity, but I did like the spectacle of space part. It was fine, but I don't understand the like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god part. I just don't get it. All right, so uh, a scully stuff. I've been playing a game on the PS4 called The Grand Tour Game. Um, This week... Amazon released but, the... Oh, Ace Scully, the Grand Tour is not a game. It's a TV show. <laughs> it's not, not even sure. a TV show. It's an Amazon show. Yeah. Um, every time I say Amazon, my tablet wakes up. <laughs> Hold on. 
I have to turn that We've got things listening to us. People would think we're like <laughs> the biggest victims of spying of all time, but whatever. I turned it off. Okay, so Amazon have a show called The Grand Tour. What The Grand Tour is, is basically BBC had a show, still have a show, called Top Gear. But the three presenters of Top Gear left. They moved to Amazon and they made their own show called The Grand Tour, which is really just Top Gear with a different name, right? Yeah. I mean, th- that's what it is. So... The, the third season starts started this week. Episode one came out on Friday. And with that, this season, there is a video game. And I'm not talking like a mobile game. It's like a full console game. It's on the PS4 and the Xbox. Uh, it costs $15, so it's not a ridiculous price. And what you get is, for every episode of this season, which is 13 episodes, you get a game that goes with the episode. So after the show is ended, you can go to the PlayStation and turn it on. I would recommend not watching the show at all, to be honest. Don't watch the show. Just play the game, because the game contains the whole show. So what you're doing is you're watching the whole hour of the show, and whenever it comes to a point in the show where Hammond or Clarkson or May test drive a car or race cars against each other, you actually race the cars. So they've built a racing game into the show. I've never seen anything like that. I'm a massive fan of those three, as you know. Mm -hmm. I've watched pretty much everything that they've done. And this is a really cool way of... Even when he punched that guy? You're a big fan of that? I'm a fan of whatever (laughs) they do, really. (laughs) Punching a guy, <laughs> getting pissed off because he didn't... There's you know. controversy about Jeremy Clarkson because he punched a guy. Jeremy Clarkson, is that his name? Because yes. the guy didn't get him the right sandwich. Yeah, though. I mean, that's debatable, I think, of yeah. the reason, but, um, yeah. They get fired from BBC, which is why the Grand Tour show Endgame exists on Amazon. Right. And I think the Grand Tour is actually better than what they did on the BBC. It's pretty, it's pretty entertaining. Yeah, it is. It's really funny, and it's... It, they, even they say, we're not really a car show. We're more of a comedy show. But we happen to have cars in our show. Mm. Even they say that. that. Don't come to their show thinking it's a serious review of a car. It's and more, on BBC, the whole thing is education and that they had to be forced to pretend they were educating people all right. the time. This is more fun than that. And Amazon have a huge... It's more fun than education. Yeah, Amazon have this really huge budget for this show, so they do lots of crazy stuff. Um, so that how the game works that is that you... Like, in this first episode of this season, it's called... It was about Detroit and, like, Detroit Motor City, which is what it's named. So they went to Detroit and they drove muscle cars around the city, and that was their big adventure for this show. And Hammond builds this big racetrack in this disused warehouse. And once you get to that part in the show, and you do see the whole show, it's not like an abbreviated version of the show. You're watching the whole thing. When you get to the abandoned race and they do the race, each one of them does a lap around it in the show. You do the lap around it in the exact car that they do it in. And the cut between the show and the game is really like, you don't really, you can't really tell it's happening. And the cars look so good. They look just like they do. And then they cut back to the show from the game. And they do it like seamlessly. So you're like, oh, 
is that me? And I'm driving, and then all of a sudden, Jeremy Clarkson's looking at me from the from the passenger seat. It's it's really interesting how they did it. Some it's a bit a hit and miss. Some of them are really simple, like the bit that you you only saw a little bit yeah. in you at the end part. And that was like a drag race where you had to just rev the accelerator and get it in the green part, and then you'd win the race. That's more kind of like a you know like a drag race game. But I would recommend you don't watch the show. Um, and play the game first, and then if you want to go back and watch the show again, just watch the show, but actually get to experience each episode as it comes out. Uh, that's actually cheaper than subscribing to Amazon Prime to watch the show. <laughs> Funnily enough, it's $15 for this whole thing. Yeah, if that's the only thing you want on Amazon. Right, exactly. You would, If you only want to watch The Grand Tour, you have to subscribe to Amazon Prime, which is $120. This is a way of watching The Grand Tour every week, and also having a fun little video game thrown into it too so i've never seen anything like it i think it's a perfect way of doing it i was hoping it wasn't just like tiny little clips of the grand tour and then you just do a race i think this feels more like you're playing the show which is what the idea was so yeah i really dig it it's um the the handling and the physics and all that don't expect forza (laughs) it's more arcadey very arcadey like need for speed if you've played need for speed it feels like that in fact the guy the team that are responsible for the actual game are actually some of the guys from need for speed so don't expect like you know everything handles perfectly and it feels like you know each car it's more like an arcade game you press the accelerator and you stare around the corners it's not like trying to emulate everything but sometimes that's fun too you know so, uh, yeah, the Grand Tour game. I'm completely impressed. It's the first game from Amazon Games. So I think Amazon are going to get into the game business. Uh, and the other game, which I haven't played yet, but I have got now, is Fallout 76, the new Fallout game. Um, I'll talk about it next week when I've played it. So what's for dinner, said Doc? Tonight, if you can smell, can you smell it? Can everybody smell it? I made homemade bread again. I'm on a kick. I had three packets of yeast. I'm now out of yeast. Yeast? Yeast, as my grandma always say. <laughs> Get the yeast out of the cupboard for me. She'd also say shrimp. Uh, we're going to have shrimp? fried shrimp with no H. So I don't know I don't know what was going on. She dropped a Y and dropped an H, whatever. Yeast and shrimp. Yeast and shrimp, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've been making homemade bread. What would be your verdict on my homemade bread? I really like this homemade bread. Thank you. Especially as a cheese toasty. Yeah, you haven't had that yet. You're just saying that because that's what you want for supper. <laughs> I have had it. You did it for me last time. I didn't make it for with homemade bread. Oh, no. No. Oh, maybe that was why it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're having, what you're having is grilled cheese, which yeah. isn't cheese. Fake we're not, cheese. We're vegetarian and also you shouldn't eat much hardcore dairy, so we have... It's not fake. It's fake cheese. It is fake it's cheese. Plant-based cheese product stuff. Plant-based cheese. Plant cheese. It's pretty good, but I just want toast and soup. So you're gonna have grilled cheese and soup and homemade toast with toasted cheese, and it's really good. Um, if you've never baked bread, that's my advice today. In fact, um, the new oven that we got oh, yeah. last year. Oh yeah. It also has a proving mode. Yeah, and I'd only just tried it today, and it was perfect. You put like, the you perfect. put your dough in there to prove and it just heats it up ever so slightly proof with an f we have to be distinctive sorry no proof 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 it yes um we looked it up mr redding and i why does everybody say prove it's like your grandmother isn't it 
Yeah, yeah. It's actually proofing. So, I mean, you can look it up. There's some controversy. Some people debate it. But um, I think it's really good. Well, it turns the oven on very, very slightly. Very slightly. Not not even warm enough to warm food. In fact, it says in the instructions, do not use this setting to keep your food warm because it will not. It's just like you open it up and it feels just a tiniest bit warmer than the house. And it did it perfectly. Perfect. Um, I mean, don't discount my abilities. Because mixing it right, getting the liquid the right temperature to get your yeast opened activated. up, activated, the right amount of stuff. And I've been using, just if anyone's interested, um, I looked up why my grandma's recipes said to use scalded milk. Looked it up and there's something to do with the proteins and they get stretched and they do better with like bringing the gluten and the yeast and blah, blah, blah. You have to look it up. But... So I was like, well, I don't want to use dairy dairy. So I had coconut milk, just a carton of whatever the brand is, coconut milk. And um, decided to use that instead. And instead of sugar, like white sugar, you put like two tablespoons of sugar in there for the yeast to grow from. I used molasses, which is also sugar. And it's absolutely. And I use my KitchenAid because my Aunt Mary's recipe, and this is from 60 years ago, 70 years ago. She must have had an old KitchenAid or a new one at the time. Because she says, let your machine mix it for 15 minutes. Do the kneading for you, basically. Right. So that's what I've been doing. And it's just turning out fantastic. So, so you have to have some tools to do that. But you can you do don't. it by hand. No, you don't. I mean, you don't actually. I could just need... What The thing is, I let it knead it for 15 minutes. So if I were to do it, I would just stand there and knead it for 15 minutes. I think you would get a similar result. Um, but it's just less messy and you don't have to get the whole counter involved. And I can sit there and let it do it and I can watch it, add the amount of flour that needs to go in there to get it to the right consistency and... So no, you don't need the machine. You don't need a proofing you don't thing need in your oven because if I <laughs> if I warm up the bathroom a little bit, our bathroom is easy to warm up. You just shut the door and it gets really warm really quick. Or run a bunch of hot water in the tub and it'll warm up the bathroom. Set your dough in there covered up for an hour. It'll raise or put it on top of the fridge like my mom always used to do just because it's warmer. But our house has been really cold lately. And one of the key things about baking bread is you don't want to have to try to raise your dough in a cold house. You know why our house has been cold lately? Because it's snowing outside. <laughs> it's not snowing currently, but it's about, it has been down to like 8 degrees earlier today. And now it's about 30. We have a lot of variety here in middle America. Is it 30? I think so. I disagree with that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's 18. 18 <laughs> All right. So... That is uh, the... Um, is that so your- my advice is bake some bread. Just look it up, figure it out. Even if it fails miserably, I've failed for years until now. And somehow, I just now have the patience and figured out. Even doing it during the movie today, you see. I did the dough. Let it rise. We were watching the movie. I set my timer. We did a pee break so I could go punch it down, put it in the pans, raise it up again. Took a pee break during the movie. <laughs> come back upstairs Get the oven turned on, and I just cross my fingers, turn the oven on, and set it for 30 minutes without even... Usually, what am I doing when I'm baking bread? When Um, you come in the kitchen. (laughs) Watching Bob's Burgers. No, what am I doing when the bread is baking? You come in the kitchen. Oh, you're looking in the oven like it's a television. (laughs) Yeah, I'm down on the floor. I'm sitting on the floor watching the bread do whatever it's doing. Have you ever watched the Great British Bake Off? Whenever they're cooking something, they all just look in the oven. It's real. You just, I can't believe it sometimes that it's just like magic in front of your eyeballs. I would love to put a camera in there. That would be great. 
Oh, that's my next oven. We'll have a camera inside. Um, but I just let it go. I let it bake for 30 minutes without ever looking at it or questioning it. I, my 30 minutes went off. I took it out. It was really browned and nice. And it is perfect. You could uh, do a time lapse of your bread rising and baking. The light inside is so bright that when I've tried with mm. my phone or with my camera, it's just, it's the light in there is just overwhelming. Mm. So. All right. So um, you can catch us on ascully.com and sidtalk.com. You can catch us on Twitter, Facebook. This podcast is available on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store. You can go to ascully.com, click on the word podcast. You can listen straight from the page. You can use an Amazon device. You can say the trigger word and then say, listen to After the Show Movie Podcast on TuneIn. It will play you the latest episode. You can also find us on YouTube. You can email feedback to me at ascully at Don't email SidTalk. She really hates you all. I don't. She wants to throw bread dough at you. <laughs> no. I don't want to waste past. my bread dough. <laughs> I don't hate anyone. In fact, I'm pretty not hate hate filled at all. I do not understand some people. She don't understand any of you. And, and I will she think that you're throw. stupid or that you're lame or that you're just wallowing in ignorance or that you are intentionally trying to be a twat. That doesn't mean I hate you. It means I may not like your behavior or how you think about a thing, but everyone has potential. And stay classy, Mr. Damien Chazelle and Mr. Ryan Gosling. A great partnership. Make another film together, please. <laughs> Just for me. And I'm going to say, think for yourselves or someone will do it for you. Bye.